The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This is what we call the morning of podcast mad sprint, and I believe that we can pull it off. Ladies and germs, this is Fantasy NBA Today. How's the sound of my toddler laughing in the other room? I am Dan Bespris. We got back-to-back pods coming. We got this one, Fantasy NBA Today, and then I am hopping straight on over to chat with my good friends, Lord Bogman and Jonas Nader, for the first episode this year of The Real Big Three. That, of course, comes out on the In This League Basketball podcast channel, so definitely go check that bad boy out. Uh, but in the meantime, you guys tuned in for this one. I just, I really think you guys would enjoy listening to that. It's it's Bogman of In This League, it's Jonas at Roto World, it's me here at Hoopball, and just, we're talking about three interesting things apiece, which kind of covers the landscape. It's great. It's a great, great podcast, and it's a lot of fun to do, because I get to be a little extra weird. Uh, I have to tone down the weird a tiny bit on this show. I don't know if you guys are aware that I'm actually toning down the weird right now, but that's what's happening. This is, as I mentioned, Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. HawaiianIsles.com is the website, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. Hoop-ball.com, the website. Check out our premium game time premium product. It's the full season membership at Hoop Ball. You get all of our live shows, which is basically just, uh, what are we at? Six weekly Q&As with Hoop Ball analysts, so you can just bug them about your team uh, I'm involved in two of those. Aaron Bruski's involved in a couple of those. They're incredible. Ethan Noroff, the fantastic Ethan Noroff, one of our editors, Eric Ong, they're on the Sunday show. It's a great resource. In addition to the premium written content, you know me. I'm always pushing the podcast, the audiovisual stuff. I just love the fact that you can put your question in a freaking YouTube chat room and Hoopball Pros will look at it and say, okay, let's answer this question about, you know, whatever, Joe so-and-so's team on air. You just get your questions answered immediately. It's a fantastic access to the pros, uh, and it's more in-depth than what anybody could do in you know, 140 characters on Twitter. So check that out. Go to hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab. You can see a preview of it. You can see all the good stuff. It's got a schedule grid, streaming calendar, depth charts, projections, dynasty, all that good stuff as well. Today, I mean, we're in mid-season form now. I don't even really need to tell you what we're doing on the podcast. We're going to review 11 games on Monday where basically nobody could hit a shot outside of three or four main guys. It was a very weird, very cold, very low-scoring day. If you want to know, here's the thing. So I I put out a tweet yesterday. Again, that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, that talked about it. I called it cold-ass Monday or ice-cold Monday or something like that. And sometimes it just feels like all of your guys are missing shots, but there's a real way to confirm this. Go through the totals, basically the Vegas lines set for the games, and see if any of them actually went over. How many games actually went over yesterday? Chicago, New York? Under. Detroit, Indiana? Under. Philly, Atlanta? Under. Orlando, Toronto? Under. That's the first four. Golden State and New Orleans went over. Warriors finally woke up. Cleveland and Milwaukee went over. OKC Houston was actually a push, if you can believe that. Portland San Antonio, a push. Utah Phoenix, under. Denver Sacramento, under. Charlotte Clippers, under. Seven unders, three pushes, two overs. 
There's your answer. Wait. That's too many games. Two pushes? I thought I had three. Maybe it was only two. Two pushes. Seven unders, two pushes, two overs. I can count. That's crazy. OKC Houston was a push and Portland San Antonio was a push. Yeah, it was just two of those. Uh, So 11 games, only two of them went over the listed total. Two out of 11. So it really was a game where if you didn't have guys in those games, you probably had guys that were missing shots. I mean, if you really wanted to dig deep, you could look at the shooting percentage in some of these games. Chicago, New York, both teams shot around 42%. Indy, Detroit, 41 and 45%. They just, nobody could make a damn shot. Nobody. Both teams shot in the 30s in the Orlando-Toronto game. Golden State shot 49%. Finally, somebody got up near there. Uh, Milwaukee shot 52. Um, and that was really almost it. San Antonio, 48. What is that? Three teams? Clippers shot 48% as well. Four teams out of 22 yesterday had shot a reasonable percentage from the field. So it really was a cold day. I do this not as a way to bore you at the beginning of a podcast, but to point out the fact that if you had guys that underperformed yesterday, you weren't alone. You can go check everybody in your league if you want to see. It was a day where teams lost headway in field goal percent. Very few teams in your fantasy league had a good shooting night. They had to have a very weird cross-section of the players on the board for that to work out in their favor. Because someone, pretty much one guy on almost every fantasy team had one of those, oh no, kind of lines. Anyway, we can start breaking them down now. Chicago, New York. We're looking at yesterday. We'll do our homework for a, uh, a short Tuesday card today, and then we'll get you situated. Chicago, New York, very low-scoring game as they all were, 203 total points. Wendell Carter Jr. finally had a good one. Really efficient game in 28 minutes. Larry Markkinen was okay. Obviously, he's cooled after that crazy first game. Zach Levine looks like he's going to be the usage leader on this club. And he was... Actually, Thad Young was the usage leader, but he didn't play enough minutes. Otto Porter got off to a really good start and then just stopped. He made like three of his first five shots, and then I think he missed his next, next six in a row. You can't drop him. You can't drop Otto Porter. It was good to see him play 32 minutes. He's just not getting himself involved in the way that we want. Number one, I wanted to see him play some more power forward. We knew that wasn't going to happen with Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. on the floor. So the rebounds are going to be lower. The lack of defensive stats, that's alarming, but something that will probably even itself out. They just sort of always do. Uh, and then he's going to start making some shots as they figure out how to get people open. Here's my real concern. It's not Otto Porter. I'm not worried. I know that the rumor came out that they were monitoring his hip, but then he went out there and played the second most minutes on the team. So that doesn't appear to be a massive issue at the moment. Uh, I know they're going to be load managing him at times. I think some of that is overblown. That's not my fear with Otto Porter. My fear is just that it's going to take a while for him to get acclimated with a bunch of new guys on this team. Because he settled in last year, but half the team was hurt, and then a bunch of guys were uh, not on the team yet. You know, they brought in a couple guys like Cornette and Thad Young uh, and Sadoransky, who, by the way, as we segue now to the point guard spot, you can probably drop all of them. Sadoransky played 27 minutes, which was the highest total of any of the three guards. Kobe White just 16, Chris Dunn 18. This is why I've been telling you guys I'm not buying into that yet. And I, I think, in fact, I'm going the opposite direction because at the start of the year, I thought Sadoransky would separate himself kind of above the other guys as someone who has learned how to function in the past at a low usage rate, he, he doesn't look comfortable. And to me, it's more concerning than Otto Porter 
because there are two guys coming for his job. There's nobody coming for Porter's job. There's just nobody else that plays. They have no other small forwards on the roster as long as Denzel Valentine isn't playing. Sadoransky, I think, is a drop. I think you can safely dump him out to the scrap heap. His, loose, his usage is crazy low, but he's been able to overcome that in the past by being a guy that, say, initiated the offense, got some rebounds, some defensive stats, hit some high-percentage threes. I mean, five shots in 27 minutes is just not going to get it done. So I think you can move on there. On the New York side, Bobby Portis is going to get himself picked up in a lot of spots. I'm less inclined to do so. Uh, we, we sort of know who Bobby Portis is at this point, and it's generally points and rebounds with not a ton else. Even last year, when he was sort of getting turned loose in his brief stay with Washington, he was still a difficult guy to roster at 14 and 8.5 because his field goal percent is bad for a center. He's an okay foul shooter. He's not going to really hurt you there. Uh, He doesn't do a ton of stuff on the defensive side. Um, He might average a little over one combined steals and blocks, maybe like 1.2, somewhat in that neck of the woods. Um, And so he becomes mostly just points and rebounds with percentages that are more like a uh, shooting guard than a center. So that's fine. You can pick him up. I I don't, there's so many big men in New York. Yesterday he got hot. And so he got more shots, took 14 shots and made 10 of them. Two of his, three of his first four games actually played a decent number of minutes, but even in those games that he played minutes, he wasn't particularly effective. That isn't to say you shouldn't pick him up. If you have somebody that's a total scrap heaper on your team, you can obviously make that flip. I just think this is a waiver churn kind of guy, and he's going to end up back in the pile probably within the next week. As we've seen with Marcus Morris, by the way, who's playing pretty big minutes every game and just hasn't taken as many shots as he did in game one, He's ending up back on waiver wires. He's already back there in two of my five money leagues. I'm not terribly surprised by this occurrence. I think we said that this would probably happen. I still think he should probably be on a team. Number one, uh, in his opener where he went buck wild, he hit 50% of his shots, nine out of 18, and three three three-pointers. Since then, he's shot under 33% from the field, which seems like it's ripe to even out. He's another guy who's generally shot more like 43% as opposed to where he's at right now, which is 39. So that's a number that comes up a little bit. The question with Morris, which is what it's always been, is does his fantasy game support ownership? Last year it did for a long time because he was shooting something like 48% from the field and hitting two three-pointers a game and 84% at the free-throw line. The free-throw stuff seems to be a trend and not an aberration. It looks like he has actually gotten better at the foul line the last couple of seasons. The stuff from the field leveled off. And so now what you're looking for is, is the opportunity better this year in New York than it was in Boston? If he plays the same number of minutes, will he get more shots? The answer is, who knows? He's another waiver churn kind of guy. Because there really isn't much on the defensive side. I know he started with three steals in that first game, but one steal is much closer to what you can expect from him, maybe even less than that. Your best case scenario for Marcus Morris is basically what he's averaging right now, which is 15, four and a half, and a steal per game. And that is end of bench stuff. So I'm fine with it, but there isn't a whole lot of upside there. There's a space for him on your team, but there are a lot of guys out there I'd rather have. 
Mitchell Robinson only played 18 minutes, which is frustrating. But again, there's a million big men. Julius Randle played 32 minutes. Bobby Portis, 30 minutes. Even Taj Gibson got in there for six. Marcus Morris playing some of his minutes at power forward as well. Not all, some. R.J. Barrett, 40 minutes, 19-15-5. and five. He's a sell-high guy after going 5-for-11 at the free-throw line. Yuck. Alfred Payton pulled a hammy right when he was getting started. Um, on the Alfred Payton front, I think I'm holding just to see what the prognosis here is because he was just starting to bust loose as the starting point guard. And for most teams, if you can get their starting point guard on your fantasy team, that's a guy that's going to get inside the top 100. So I liked what we were seeing. Big-time steals numbers from him, some assists, a couple of threes, that type of stuff. Nothing colossal. He's not going to score much. But I liked where he was headed. And so I'm not going to punt him just because of the injury. I know there are other guys that probably deserve to be on a roster. There is some upside. Alfred Payton's not a guy that I've liked over the years. You guys know that if you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, But even with one bad game blended in, he's still actually this year a number 85 guy, which tells you how good he was playing before that. Or how well. Not going to score much. Assists, steals, couple of threes. That's what you're looking for out of him. And the hope is that this sore hamstring doesn't sideline him for too long. So I'm hanging on there. I mean, I, I know that he's a guy that a lot of us picked up or drafted at the very end. But I'm seeing him. I mean, he's getting kicked out of a lot of leagues already. His ownership is down 7% because of a sore hamstring. I really don't think it's the time to panic on a guy that could be a top 80 dude. you got to hang on there. you got to wait to see how this thing shakes out. All right, we spent more time on that game than I intended to, but I think the other ones will be a little bit quicker. Um, Indiana at Detroit. TJ Warren finally got it going. We told you not to drop there. Hopefully you did not. On the Detroit side, Christian Wood got rolling, who was a guy that we had sort of been hemming and hawing on a bit on this podcast as a, I don't know that we can trust him because Dwayne Casey didn't. Will he now? It seems like he's a guy that is going to lose whatever efficacy he has when Blake Griffin comes back because he basically just split the power forward minutes with Markeith Morris, who was in foul trouble. I'm not telling you guys to race out and pick him up. I don't think this is still a safe situation. He got hot. He was playing well. The minutes are limited. That's a hard thing to do every night. So, no, I'm not selling the farm for Christian Wood. Derrick Rose finally had a poor shooting night, but, boy, his role really seems pretty safe right now. Um, He takes a bunch of shots when he comes in off the bench. And everybody's like, well, what about when Blake comes back? Will the opportunity be lessened? Yeah, it will a little bit, but he's still the king of that second unit. So when he comes in and everybody else is going out, he's just going to start chucking. And that's what you want from him at this point, is to orchestrate. He's not going to be a brilliant. He doesn't take many three-pointers, doesn't get many steals or blocks, but he, he does probably belong on a fantasy team. Philly, Atlanta. Mike Scott got ejected. Shake Milton got hurt. But everything else was about what you'd expect. Uh, Matisse Tybul had six defensive stats in 20 minutes again, and he deserves to be talked about basically any time he does anything. But guys... The one thing that I really have to pull into focus here is that as much as I, and you know me, you know how much I love defensive stats, as much as I love defensive stats, he has literally done nothing else. You have to do something. 
it's been a really weird start to the year for him, actually, because he's averaging almost three turnovers a game, four combined steals and blocks in only 22 minutes a night, and he's shooting 19% from the field. That number is going to have to come up. Turnovers will probably have to come down. But listen, you guys can yell at me on Twitter all you want. A guy playing 22 minutes a night, I don't care how good he is defensively, is not going to average four combined steals and blocks. This is the magic of week one. Do you know how many people in the entire NBA averaged a combined four steals and blocks last year? One. Do you know what his name was? Anthony Davis. Do you know how many guys... Well, I guess Mitchell Robinson was pretty close, but uh, he didn't play quite as much. Uh, do you know how many guys last year got up into that three and change? Mitchell Robinson was 3.2, by the way. Do you know how many guys last year got over three combined steals and blocks last year? It's still counting on your hands number. It was Anthony Davis, who we already talked about. Andre Drummond at 3.5. Rob Covington at 3.4. Mitchell Robinson, who we just mentioned, at 3.2. And I'm fairly certain that was it. There might be one other one that I'm glossing over, but I think it was those. So you're trying to tell me now that this dude's going to average four? Someone was trying to tell me that the fact that he got six wasn't that much of an aberration. Six is a huge aberration. It's literally... 50% more than the best defensive numbers guy in the entire NBA averaged last year. So let's temper our expectations a tiny bit. I use this preface to say, if you want to put him on your roster in the hopes that one of Philadelphia's high-octane guys goes down for a stretch, Josh Richardson would be the one you'd root for if you were a sick, disgusting person that rooted for injuries. But without that, He's limited. He's going to play 20 minutes a game. I don't care how good you are. Mitchell Robinson is, is the one guy that got close. It doesn't matter how good you are on defense. You're not going to average four or more defensive stats a game in only 20 minutes a night. It's just not going to happen. So roster him if you like, but understand that there are going to be some clunky ones mixed in, and six defensive stats is not the expectation it's just mathematically impossible. It doesn't happen. He's not that different than everybody else in the NBA. He's different, but he's not that different. Still waiting on somebody on the Atlanta side to really distance themselves. We got a hint of, uh, besides obviously the big two, we got a hint of DeAndre Bember, uh, Hunter in yesterday's game. Excuse me, the pair of DeAndres on this team. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had 14-9 and nine with a steal and a couple of threes before turnovers, and he missed some free throws. He's the guy you're probably keeping an eye on. I'm not, as we've said before, a big Kevin Herter fantasy guy, so I'm not really interested in putting him on my team. Orlando at Toronto in a game of two teams shooting in the high 30s in percents. Yuck. But luckily, there were some guys that managed to make a few shots, and Jonathan Isaac was one of them. 7 of 10 from the field, 5 of 5 at the free throw line, 24 and 7. Three steals, two blocks, five three-pointers. This is the one we've been waiting for. The question is how long until it comes again. Please stay aggressive, Jonathan Isaac, who, by the way, despite scoring 11 points in his first two games before this one, is the number 18 player 
in fantasy right now. 18-1-8. That's what one big game can do to you at the beginning of the year. That's not going to stick, by the way. He's, you know, you're, you're shooting for top 50, which still seems actually a little bit improbable. But, boy, look what happens when they actually let him play. That's a beautiful thing. Rest of Orlando had issues, particularly uh, Nikola Vucevic, who shot one for 13 in that game yesterday. They're probably not going to win when he's shooting one for 13. Markel Fultz played 27 minutes. He's slowly grabbing that point guard job from DJ Augustine, which is, I guess, sort of what Orlando was hoping for. I don't know that he's ever going to fully take over, and so far his fantasy game doesn't seem all that well-suited. And he's owned in way too many places, considering how things have gone so far. But he is a guy you could add speculatively. I'd rather just watch him. I'm not going to be that upset if I miss on this. And when I say miss, I just mean waited too long. There's too many other guys that are looking interesting right now. But at least with faults, you could pick him up. You could actually play him in an unlimited games league, and he wouldn't kill you. So that's fine. I'm just not as high on him as as some other folks are. I, I do think that he's... Uh, inching his way towards getting that job. I just, I think they'd have to go on a prolonged losing streak to start flipping things around. OG Ananobi had another good one. Kyle Lowry, old man Lowry, just chucking along here. Pascal Siakam, Freddie Van Fleet. Marcus Ole actually had a double-double, a, an empty one for the most part, but at least he bought himself a little bit of time. Uh, and then Serge Ibaka was fine in, in more limited minutes as well. So they're fairly predictable right now. Golden State. Finally woke up. I can't believe they were a betting underdog in this game. There's a very simple old betting adage that you're never as bad as your worst game and you're never as good as your best. And the fact that everybody had just called the Warriors the worst team in the West was um, a tad premature. Uh, Steph was good. Draymond was good. Damian Lee was actually very good in this game. Uh, there were a ton of stats to go around against the the crummy New Orleans defense. So, no, I don't think I'm racing out to picking up Damian Lee or Glenn Robinson III or Jordan Poole. I am keeping an eye on this situation, though. The Warriors have sort of moved themselves onto the homework list because we heard that Kevon Looney might be dealing with a little bit of a neuropathy, which could keep him out for a while. Uh, That opens the door for someone like Willie Cauley-Stein, potentially, or if he flops, then maybe one of these other guys ends up carving out a little bit of space for themselves. But right now, I don't know that it's obvious that any one of them is that guy, and when you put up a buck 34, there's going to be fantasy stats. So let's not overreact to the non three on this team yet, but let's absolutely keep watch on them. Uh, for New Orleans, Drew Holiday was out. Derek Favors was out with knee pain, which is both good and bad news. The bad news part is obviously that he has knee pain, and you don't want to see that. The good news is that it does explain some of the sluggish and kind of weird production from both of those guys to start the year. So let's just get these guys healthy. Let's get them back. You're not dropping either of them because if this is the explanation, they come back, then you get what you expected. In fact, with Drew Holiday in particular, I think this is a buy low opportunity. With Favors, you might be in a league with someone that drops him and I would most likely pick him up. I don't expect him to be out for that long. Obviously, if he is, you throw him back into the waiver pool. Uh, But he's a guy that has nice upside as a center, kind of an okay number two center type. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that you can abandon that right away. J.J. Redick is another guy I'm not dropping as much as these lines want me to. He's just not a 10% shooter. Five points, a rebound, three assists. He had two blocked shots, which is pretty weird, and only one three-pointer. I mean, he's going to make a ton of threes. Uh, I think his role is going to increase with this team as the season goes along. He's just ice cold and trying to figure things out. 
he made a strange business decision signing with a team that had no championship aspirations this year. I, I just, I, I, I guess he just wanted to be down there, but it is a weird move. We're not picking up Kenrick Williams. I know Kenny Hustle had a nice ball game. Again, there's just a ton of points in this one. Uh, guys to watch, obviously, you know, Brandon Ingram's going to keep up the numbers. Lonzo Ball has a big opportunity here. Josh Hart slowed down a little bit, but he should be fine. Um, Jackson Hayes, 24 minutes, 19 points. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 15 points, 9 assists. You know, these are things that are happening while half the team is hurt. I don't know that you make big adjustments, and I am not comfortable streaming these guys because they could disappear in a heartbeat. Cleveland at Milwaukee, this is why we didn't drop Larry Nance after one slow game. 25 minutes was enough to get it done. He looked good. Kevin Love looked good. Uh, Tristan Thompson continues to roll, which is the weirdest thing in the early going, but he is a must-start guy right now. Jordan Clarkson played 25 minutes, and Darius Garland got dialed back to 23. That is a big, you know, six, seven-minute difference from the previous games. If Jordan Clarkson's getting 25 minutes, he's going to get a lot of shots up most nights. And so then he moves back kind of into the conversation. I'm not picking him up. No, not even close. Uh, But he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then with Garland, there's a chance he might hit your waiver wire too. So um, I would say sort of keep an eye on that. I don't, you know, he's not a guy that I'm super into, but he's a guy that seems like he's going to have to play his way into more minutes as this season goes on. Because, I mean, what the hell else are they doing then? On the Milwaukee side, uh, even Giannis didn't shoot the ball well yesterday, and they still blew everyone out because Brooke Lopez had another really nice ball game. Uh, Pat Connaughton was good yesterday. George Hill was good in 19 minutes. Chris Middleton was good. Uh, Wesley Matthews was good. And then, of course, Bledsoe and Giannis, the guys that I have a couple dudes, couldn't shoot the ball. I will say, though, uh, Eric Bledsoe, the minutes are there. The opportunity's there. Took a team leading 16 shots yesterday. He's starting to shake the rust off. This is sort of your last chance to buy low. 14 points, 4 boards, 8 assists. If he makes his shots yesterday, it's a huge game. If he makes any 3-pointers, it's a huge game. If he gets one more defensive stat, it's a pretty big game. He is right on the cusp. Last chance. Go get him. I would go get him, but I basically have him everywhere. It just kept falling to me. So that, to me, is the news from that ball game. Oklahoma City at Houston. Uh, I don't know why Chris Paul suddenly decided he can't shoot free throws anymore, but that's a little bit of an, an annoyance here in the early going. He's shooting 62% at the foul line. Otherwise, uh, I can explain away some of this stuff. You know, the turnovers are high because he's with a brand new team. Pretty easy thing to explain away at three turnovers a game. The assists are lower as they're sort of feeling things out. The steals are lower because, well, he sat out half a ball game when they were in a blowout victory. Otherwise, the stuff is actually pretty normal. You know, he had 15 points, five boards, four assists, two steals, three three-pointers yesterday. The thing that went wrong was I would have liked probably one or two more assists. I mean, I've loved more than that, but he's still acclimating himself. But the 0 for 2 at the free throw line and the six turnovers is a little bit of a pisser. Uh, I was hoping for a faster start. I was seeing stars. Um, it's hard to try to help kind of take over a team. But here's the thing. He played 34 minutes. He's looked healthy so far. Uh, And a lot of the stuff was actually pretty good. These weird peripheral things that'll settle themselves out, the turnovers, the free throws, that stuff will sort itself out on its own. 
I want to see more assists. That's the only thing that I've actually been kind of frustrated with so far. I'd like to see his passes lead to more made buckets, but I think a lot of that is just figuring everybody out. The other news from this ballgame, number one, I mean, Dennis Schroeder's been great the last couple of games. He's a must-own, must-start guy, and he's a hoop ball guy as well this year, which is a pretty weird thing to say, but he is. I believe he's in the hoop ball six. Uh, Nerlens Noel might have a window here. Steven Adams hurt himself. He had a knee, a bone bruise, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Took himself out of the game. Uh, that's a big blow to Oklahoma City. It's a very, it's a big time opportunity for those of us who are into the quick streamer use up your games cap thing in roto formats because Noel can go big very quickly, and that would be worth using in some formats. Namely, for me, games cap, or if you're streaming uh, in a you know, maybe in a head-to-head league and just try to use your moves accordingly. They only have two more games this week, though, which complicates matters just a tiny bit. But something to keep an eye on for sure. For Houston, uh, figured Daniel House wouldn't shoot like 60% from downtown all season long. I'm still higher on him than most analysts. And maybe it's because I'm more of a nine-cat roto guy. But he actually, to me, still had an okay game despite missing like everything. Nine points, five boards, a block, and a three-pointer on three out of 11 shooting. No turnovers, number one, which is always going to be a feather in his cap. If he makes even one more of those shots, 12 and 5 with two threes and a block and no turnovers, what if there's a steal mixed in? I like him. He's playing huge minutes for Houston this year. I mean, he's totally wedged Austin Rivers out of the rotation. Tabo Cephalosha is 400 years old. Uh, you know D'Antoni. He's going to go with his big guns, and House seems to have played his way into that spot. Meanwhile, P.J. Tucker's been great. Portland at San Antonio, our guy Kent Bazemore fouled out of this game, but he's still got 24 minutes and three blocks. This is sort of your customary bottoming out point for a guy that is not a high usage dude on this team. He also went one for nine from the field because nobody made shots yesterday. I love him. I mean, the fact that his worst game still had three defensive stats and 24 minutes is, to me, a really good sign. Uh, Hassan Whiteside only played 24 minutes. He was just getting run off the floor by San Antonio. And then obviously no Zach Collins. So we were sort of watching to see what would happen. It was more Mario Hazonia and more Anthony Tolliver. Interestingly, who slid down, uh, and played some power forward as well. Everything else mostly to be expected. I'm not making any large adjustments and we know Rodney Hood has no fantasy game whatsoever. San Antonio side had a couple of shakeups here. Obviously there's the main guys, LaMarcus and DeMar, uh, Bryn Forbes still seems like he should be on rosters this year. DeJounte Murray almost triple-doubled in uh, 22 minutes. He may not play in back-to-backs. He's on a minute's limit right now, which should slowly work its way up. Uh, so in that weird little timeshare that's happening, Derek White had 21 points in 26 minutes. I can't advise a pickup there. I know that I said I'm okay with dropping him. If you really want to hold on, that's fine. The fear here is that as Murray's numbers increase as his minutes limit gets lifted is that even going to pull more from Derek White's bucket I thought for sure they'd figure out a way to get those guys on the floor together but it just doesn't seem like it's happening right now they literally split the point guard minutes one to one like there were no other buckets there one guy played 26 the other played 22 there were no other buckets Rudy Gay by the way I think is a drop it doesn't look like he's going to get enough minutes this year that's, that's rough, man. Murray, obviously, is the guy to own between the two point guards, even though Derek White had the better game. 
Phoenix played well, lost by a point to Utah thanks to Boyan Bogdanovich, the best of the Bogdans. 29 points, five boards, two steals, a block, four three-pointers on great percentages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to overreact here, but I do believe he could end up having a pretty big year. Not this big. He's number 17 right now. Uh, that's not going to hold. He's not going to shoot 53% all season, but he could really shoot 48 49%. He shot, four, he shot 50% last year with two three-pointers, 81 at the foul line. He shot 87 at the foul line the previous year. Like, he's actually a better free-throw shooter than what we saw in Indy last season. He could average close to 20 points for this team. The steals and the blocks will probably come down a little bit. They're high right now in the early going. That's something that'll level off. But, I mean, you're really thinking about a guy that could be inside the top 75 on a per-game basis, maybe even a tiny bit better. That's pretty sweet. I feel lucky because I wasn't targeting him in places, but I ended up with him in, in two out of my five money spots. So that's, I'm, that is something I am thankful for. It was actually a situation where in both of those, I was like, damn, I don't have enough three-pointers. And so I just reached and grabbed him, and he's hitting 3.3 a game so far. I think he's going to be great this year. Rudy Gobert bounced back. That buy-low window is probably no more. Joe Ingles was fine. His minutes are good enough. We started getting some questions about him. I mean, the scoring wasn't there, but nine boards, five assists, a steal, three-pointer. That other stuff looks good. Mike Conley's a mess right now, an absolute disgusting mess. I think you have to bench him, but you're not dropping him. Are people really considering that? I mean, this is a guy you probably took in the fourth round. Yeah, he's been horrible. There is no sugarcoating that. He's been truly outrageously bad. But he is your prime buy-low candidate of the century. Go lob a top 100 guy having a good start to go get Mike Conley. You can thank me in three weeks when he starts to figure it out. Uh, not buying into Javon Carter on the Phoenix side. Kelly Oubre looked good. Devin Booker looked fine. His efficiency. Uh, Ricky Rubio really settled in fast with this team. Nearly triple-doubled. But the, the big man stuff is, is where we're looking. And then we'll extend that to Mikkel Bridges as sort of the uh, small forward wing type. Mikhail Bridges looks like he's been iced out. And I'm actually okay with a drop. Dario Saric looks like it's going to alternate here. Frank Kaminsky had another good ball game. Aaron Baines was meh. Um, somehow it looks like Kaminsky has actually jumped Saric. I don't know if he's going to start starting soon. But uh, I, I had patience for Dario, and he had that one really nice game. Let's give him one more. I mean, obviously, this was against a better defensive team in Utah. But the, whole, the big man thing in Phoenix scares me right now. I think Frank Kaminsky can be on your roster. And right now it looks like he's past the other two guys, but that could obviously change overnight. Denver, Sacramento. Gary Harris, 29 minutes. He actually scored 17 points. I'm just, I'm not into Gary Harris this year. I, it's fine. All right, you can hang on to him. I'm not going to tell you you have to drop. I just feel like at every spot on the floor with this team, except point guard and center, someone is breathing down someone else's neck. You know, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap split the power forward minutes yesterday, so they both stunk. Uh, Will Barton got 29 minutes, but didn't do a whole lot with them. Nice to see the nine rebounds, though. But, you know, Torrey Craig is right behind him, and Malik Beasley is right behind Harris. I just, I don't like... I like that for the team, they have depth that's going to help them during the regular season a lot. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's, it's a tough nut. It's a tough nut to crack. Tough pill to swallow, whatever, whatever expression you want to throw in there. It does seem like, I guess, of all of them, Gary Harris probably has the, the, the smoothest path 
to starter minutes because defensively he's better than the other. Uh, but I'm, ugh, it's a little gross. Rashawn Holmes is the story from this ballgame, though. 24 points, 13 rebounds, two blocked shots in 30 minutes off the bench. Vastly outplaying Dwayne Dedman, who picked up some fouls, and then Rashawn just blasted into the scene. Buddy Heald was terrible. He'll be better. Trevor Reza had an okay game, but he's not good enough. Nemanja Bialici is the other guy that needs to be owned while Marvin Bagley's out. When he has minutes, he puts up a really versatile fantasy line, even if he kind of stinks overall. Uh, From a fantasy perspective, he's a very interesting player, a very roto-friendly, so make sure he's not... He hasn't already been picked up. He probably has in most of your leagues, but at least kind of give it a look-see here because there's like five weeks of value floating around. A lot of people may... I saw him get picked up and then dropped again after they got waxed in Utah three days ago. Uh, But again, I mean, we saw him do this last year. When he gets 28 to 30 minutes a game, he puts up pretty good and and interesting fantasy lines. And you know what? You figure what you're going to do with him later. Just know that you got him for four or five weeks. It's worth it. Rashawn Holmes, there's a weird universe where he could actually play his way into more minutes, even when Bagley comes back. If he jumps Dwayne Dedman in the pecking order, and then you're talking about 23, 24 center minutes, that's a big deal. I I do think Rashawn Holmes should be owned for the chance that maybe this actually continues post-Bagley thing. And you know how much we love him at Hoopball. He's like Hoopball's prodigal son. Dwayne Dedman, you hang on to for another game or two. Let's see how this thing shakes out. And then way too many people own Harrison Barnes. He's terrible. Charlotte at the Clippers. Devontae Graham, he had a great ball game again. I was (laughs) talking on the podcast that I was hoping he would have another slow one and maybe get dropped so I could pick him up in a few spots. Uh, He didn't. He's a must-own, must-start guy. Terry Rozier, likewise. P.J. Washington, I think, deserves to be started. Same with Cody Zeller. Uh, Miles Bridges also, even though he had a, a tough one here dealing with a lot of Kawhi Leonard. Dwayne Bacon is a drop. There was the fear there. I mean, he's just a scorer. So he was right on the cusp anyway. For the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, big game. Montrez Harrell, big game. Zubats had five blocks, but again, the minutes just are not enough to justify it long-term. Lander Shamit hit four threes early in this game and then cooled off. Lou Williams did his points and free throw percentage stuff, and Patrick Beverly did whatever other things are hanging on. So the Clippers at this point are a fairly predictable lot. Folks, I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast, and I'll mention it again today. Our newest partner here at Fantasy NBA Today and HoopBall are the good people at Manscaped.com. Go to Manscaped.com. You get 20% off and free shipping with promo code HoopBall, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Manscaped.com is the website. I mentioned it yesterday. First, they have some really neat products for specialty grooming. Uh, I mentioned some, some interesting stats that they had thrown our way. 85% 85% of women think that bad grooming is a turnoff. 80% of women think men should manscape. 89% of men feel more confident. They feel that the good grooming is essential to professional success. But again, the thing I thought was the most important was that not only does this place make an interesting product and a good product, because uh, a lot of you guys, let's be honest, most of the listeners of this show are men. Not all, but most. Um, Manscaped is partners with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in young men, 15 to 35, and provide help and support to fighters, survivors, and the caregivers of those with testicular cancer. So it's just, I love that they've done something sort of good in addition to just making a nice product. So please do check that out. Just go to the website, flip around a little bit, see if there's anything you like, know that they're doing their part to actually kind of help a good cause in addition 
to the you know the the product that they're putting together and i just that's something that i can really get behind and we can all get behind here at hoop ball so uh check it out it's something that i love about the company they're everywhere by the way if you're watching any sports on tv you're seeing ads for manscaped as well uh and then obviously the grooming aspect is is like icing on the cake at this point look like you care about yourself on top of everything else manscaped.com there is a d at the end of that manscaped it's the the past tense of it like you've been manscaped.com promo code hoopball for 20% off and free shipping free shipping is a big deal that saves you money on everything you're getting manscaped.com hoopball 20% off free shipping so check that out right now coming up on tonight I almost said tomorrow. I get so used to recording this thing the night before sometimes. We're actually doing this the morning of for once. Coming up tonight, Atlanta at Miami, Dallas at Denver, Memphis at the Lakers. Just a three-game slate. I am, so, as a Laker fan, I'm really excited about this season. I know that's <laughs> a stupid thing, but uh, they're a lot of fun to watch right now. Atlanta at Miami. This is a back-to-back for the Hawks. We get our Jimmy Butler season debut finally tonight. So this is going to answer finally a lot of questions we have about the Miami backcourt. Can Tyler Hero keep doing stuff? Can Kendrick Nunn keep doing stuff? The frontcourt is a heavy dose of Bam Adebayo these days, but I am worried about what Butler does to some of these uh, fringy guys who stepped in have done some really big and interesting stuff so far. Don't make any preemptive drops. Let's see how this thing goes This is a homework assignment to just kind of see how the guys coexist. And then on the Atlanta side, again, can anyone do anything besides Trey and John Collins? Because so far, the answer is not really. Denver is traveling back into altitude after a West Coast late game. This is a weird spot, but the home teams tend to handle the altitude back-to-back better than road teams do. I would say that this is an opportunity to look at Dallas. If you're betting this game, you're betting Dallas. Denver by five. I know it feels like a very attainable line. Nuggets have played a lot of defense so far. Their offense has not impressed me a great deal. Uh, And Luka and KP have been very impressive on the offensive side. I I think this could be a good ball game. I think there could be a little bit of jelly leg on that Denver side, even though they are the sort of the, the team that understands how the air works in altitude. So I kind of like Dallas in this one. Uh, and then Memphis and the Lakers, this is a big line. If you're taking either side, you're taking Memphis. I, I don't think you can expect the Lakers to blow too many teams out right now, but I, I know they did to Charlotte. Uh, I am likely leaving this game alone from a betting standpoint. From a fantasy standpoint, uh, Dallas, it sounds like we might see a little bit of Dwight Powell in this ball game. The uh, I'm seeing questionable, but that he's starting to do some more stuff. So maybe, maybe. We shall see. I'd love to get him out there. I wouldn't, however, start him in his first game off of basically missing the whole preseason. That is a dicey play. You're going to want to let him get acclimated first, then throw him into your lineup. For Memphis, uh, Jonas Valanciunas would love to know what his minutes cap is. It's been going up two minutes every game. So if that's the case, that would be 22 minutes tonight. So he's a definite start in 22 minutes. And then kind of how that impacts the other guys as he continues to collect his full allotment of minutes played, uh, who is the man that suffers or the the men that suffer? It could come from multiple different angles. Uh, Memphis has so many guys that are kind of bouncing around right now that, that I'd like to put them on the homework assignment list, but it's a little bit screwy. So it's really Miami is your homework assignment 
in this one. Um, and then the other two, if you want to watch them, watch them for fun. I'm definitely going to be watching the Laker game because, damn it, I enjoy it. So I will. And if you're interested, by the way, in joining us on any of the wagers that we're placing, do it at mybookie.ag. I've told you guys this a thousand times. I'll do it a thousand and one. Mybookie.ag. Sign up for your account today with promo code T-O-D-A-Y, the word today, and they will match your first deposit up to $1,000. And that's a pretty good deal. So then you can bet longer. Although, here's the secret, we're not going to lose our money. We're going to do this very judiciously, very slowly, very methodically. We're going to bet on things that we feel very confident in, where the win percentage, at least according to our metrics, is 54% or higher. So we are going to pick and choose. It's not going to be frivolous and willy-nilly. We're not going to bet for the sake of betting. We're going to bet to win long-term. It requires a ridiculous level of discipline. So please do join me as we try to achieve that monk-like discipline with how we bet on stuff. But do it at mybookie.ag. They're the best. They care about us. They've shown us here at HoopBall that they care about their customers. And so that's why we're willing to pass this recommendation along to you guys. We would not have just partnered with any online book. We sort of needed assurances that they weren't going to just vanish off into the distance and take your money and run away. They have given us those. They've been great on the customer service side. So check them out. MyBookie.ag. Again, promo code is today and that's about what we got for today's podcast we covered the big monday we preview for tuesday we're into the mid-season stuff now so it's all about homework assignments it's all about being ready to attack whatever we see on the card that night uh as i've mentioned however on previous shows uh we are continuing to recruit here at hoopball although uh, those of you that have been listening the last few you likely remember that it's now with a slightly different look if you want to break in on the journalistic side, we're looking to build out our team coverage here at HoopBall. Uh, in fact, right now, if you want to check out what some of that cool stuff looks like, HoopBall's Mike Pasador digs into the Anthony Davis at center conundrum in Los Angeles. How do Lakers keep their superstar big man healthy while also using his skills to win games in a most optimal way? It's called Lakers Long-Term Plan Conflicts with Anthony Davis's optimal usage. You can check it out at hoop-ball.com. And if you're looking to break into the industry from that journalistic standpoint, you're not going to get many opportunities like this one to, gr- to join uh, this growing platform, get a foot in the door. Uh, I've been saying to shoot an email to teamhoopball at gmail.com, but someone told me that one bounced yesterday. So I don't know if maybe something weird happened. Just hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you're looking to spell that, search for Dan from HoopBall, and it'll come up. It's like the fifth option down is my Twitter page. Um, and I'll, I'll put you through to the right spot that way. That way, um, if your emails are bouncing, then we can actually get this thing taken care of. All right, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Rate and review the pod if you enjoy the stuff. Uh, on iTunes, that's the place to do it. Please do drop that five star. I am Dan Bespris. Have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody. Real Big Three, coming later today. Come enjoy that one as well. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.